I'm going to start off this week like I normally do with a couple of questions. First of all, is your first response to temptation to trust God or to doubt His instructions? Secondly, do you have any areas in your life that you have consistently withheld from God? If so, why do you think it is that you're doing that? Has it been working out for you? Has it been a positive impact on your life that you've held out from God? Are your choices in that area working for the best? Well, this week on Connecting the Gap, we're going to talk about the original deception. And we're going to get into that right after this. Welcome guys to another week of Connecting the Gap. I'm Daniel Moore. Thank you so much for joining me once again. And uh, we're going to be kicking off a, another section of our study, The Great Divide. And I'm so glad that you decided to come along with me and, and to check this out. You can visit my website, connectingthegap.net, and there's lots of information on there. There's a, a bunch of podcasts. My blog link is there. My YouTube channel link is there. And there's just lots of Bible study stuff, the podcast, and much more. So please go check that out. And if you would help me out by sharing that around, I would greatly appreciate that. And uh, we just and we could all pray together. Just join with me in prayer that everything that takes place uh, with my ministry and my website, that it would touch lives somewhere, that someone would be affected by the studies that we go through and that their lives would be eternally changed. That's what this is all about. And I thank you so much for coming up alongside of me and helping me out with this endeavor. So hopefully you guys have had a great week over the last week. The temperatures have definitely warmed up. I think we're probably into summer at this point. We've had so much rain this spring. It's been kind of crazy. Um, I did have uh, some guys come in a couple weeks ago and they made my pad on the back of my house bigger. So I've got a pretty good sized patio out there now and uh, was able to get, get that squeezed in between some rain showers. And so it's just been nice being able to enjoy the sunshine a little bit and uh, enjoy some of this warmer weather. So, uh, but again, I'm glad that you guys joined me today. And again, uh, this week we're gonna be starting off a section called the original deception. So we're gonna go ahead and get right into this this week um, so that we have plenty of time to discuss this as we go along. <clears throat> Well, the original deception, of course, comes from the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. We know that Adam and Eve was created into a perfect environment. They were created into a garden that had fruit that was pleasing to the eye, all kinds of trees that they could eat from, and there was no sin. Everything was absolutely perfect. It was exactly the way that God had envisioned it. And of course, as the story goes in the Bible, as everybody, I'm sure all of you guys have heard this story uh, many, many times, how Eve ended up being deceived by Satan, and she ended up taking a bite of fruit that God told her not to touch. And then she took it to her husband, Adam, and he did the same. And we have reaped the unfortunate benefits of that since that day. We've had sin in, in this world. We're born into a sinful nature. 
Because of that, Jesus had to come give his life on the cross so that we would have a payment for our sins in our lives. And so what we're going to do today, because this is such a huge part of who we are as Christians and who we are in our walk with God just in our everyday life, we're going to go back to the beginning and we're going to talk about the original deception. And we're going to see how not only did it play a big part in the fall of mankind in the Garden of Eden, but the original deception, believe it or not, is still working today. And we'll get into that and kind of explain that a little bit more. So, the original deception was the very first trick the enemy used on Eve in the Garden of Eden to cause her to fall into sin. And as I just stated a while ago, it is the same exact trick that Satan uses on us today. You would think that we would learn over time and that we would understand what causes us to get to the trouble that we get into, but Satan has this figured out. He knows our human nature. He knows how we tick. He knows how we operate, and he knows that the same exact thing that he used on Adam and Eve back in, in the Garden of Eden thousands of years ago, it still works on us today, unfortunately. If we can dispel this original deception, we'll be able to walk in the type of surrender that Jesus asked for and begin to experience him in amazing ways. We know that if we're being deceived by Satan, that that walk we have with Christ is jeopardized. We know that we cannot walk in faith and cannot walk in the spirit and in the newness of life that God wants to give us if we allow Satan to keep deceiving us and causing us to stumble and fall. So to see how this original deception works, we have to go back to the beginning of the Bible, all the way back to the book of Genesis, the very first book in the Bible, and we find the devil's first encounter with the human race. So I'm going to read here a little bit about kind of what took place. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Oh, you will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. You'll know good from evil at that point. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he also ate it. You can find these scriptures in Genesis chapter 3 and it's verses 1 through 6. Now I'm going to tell you something that's a little funny and irritating at the same time. I have already recorded this podcast once and it's a two-parter just like most of mine are for this series and when I took the video to edit it the video was there but there was no audio and it was like that on both segments of this and so I told my wife I said what's kind of funny about this is you know Satan has battled me a couple of times uh, with this podcast he's he's just tried to discourage me with different things and I've had to kind of work my way through those battles and rely on God to kind of you know, help me keep my focus where it needs to be and that kind of thing as I go through this ministry that he's given me. And I just find it kind of funny that this section is called the original deception. We're talking about Satan and how he actually gets into our lives. And we're talking about how he can manipulate us and cause us to sin and do things that we really never thought we would do. And he's so crafty. 
he's so good at making bad things look good and it makes it enticing to the eye and it's kind of to me it seems like he's not wanting me to get this section out um, when I, whenever I put that in my computer and I saw that I had spent over an hour getting both of those segments recorded and I had to trash them both you can about imagine how I felt about that but you know what he's not gonna win because this is exactly what he did to Eve in this garden he came up to her and he did everything he could to destroy that walk with God that her and Adam had and unfortunately he was successful he was able to get Eve to change her direction and go to Adam and he did the same and you know myself it's an hour of my time I can come back and I can re-record this and everything's gonna be fine I will win this battle God's on my side and so you know I just wanted to kind of just let you t tell you about that because I thought it was just kind of ironic with the segment that we're discussing right now what it is and what happened to me and so as we come out of these scriptures Let's break this down. God had created a garden for humans to live in. They had everything they could ever need or want. Adam and Eve were able to walk with God and talk with Him face to face. There was an abundance of food and beauty. They didn't have to work hard for money to survive. They could simply just enjoy God and the world that He created for them. They had no worries. They had no thing that they had to worry about. No bills to pay. No creditors on their back. You know, nobody else out there uh, aggravated at them over this or aggravated at them over that. They had this perfect world between them and God. They had the ultimate existence of what we all wish that we could have. In order to preserve the blessed life that he has provided them, God gave them specific directions. There is a certain tree in the middle of the garden from which God tells them not to eat. God knows that horrible consequences will come from eating of this tree and disobeying his instructions. So in his love, he warns them not to do it. Well, then Satan enters the scene. And the next thing we know, Eve is willing to abandon the great life that God has given her and dive into sin. And why is that? How does Satan convince her to throw away the life that God has given her? Well, the only answer to that is the original deception. In verse 1, as we read earlier, Satan comes up to Eve and he says something to the effect of this. Wow, Eve. Look at all the great fruit in this garden. This is amazing. I can't believe God would say that you shouldn't eat from any of these trees. They sure do look good to me. Well, as we read that, we kind of understand what Satan's trying to do when he's talking to, to Eve in this way. We can kind of see what he's trying to do here. He's just trying to distort God's instructions to make them seem like they're overly restrictive. He's, he's doing that by saying, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Well, this of course is not what God said. That was not the instructions that he gave Adam and Eve when he put them in that garden. God didn't say that they couldn't eat of any tree. He just warned them about the one tree in the middle of the garden. And that's how Satan works. A lot of time he uses lies or half-truths to try and make God's commands seem like that they're less than life-giving. He tries to make them look like he's just got a thumb on us and that he doesn't want us to have any fun in our life. But the enemy's goal is much worse than simply distorting God's instructions. Satan's goal is to paint God as an overly restrictive jerk whose instructions keep us from experiencing good and pleasurable things. He likes to make the world things out there, the worldly activities, look like they're awesome. 
and that they will be so wonderful to be a part of and they're so much fun. And then he tries to distort it and make it look like that the things of God when going to church and being a part of life groups and you know witnessing to other people and, and trying to get people to come to God, make that he tries to make that look so boring. And like that you have to do this and you have to do that or you're not good enough. You know, you, you're not ever going to fit in if you don't, um, you know, be like these people or whatever. Satan tries to distort all of that and make his side look so much better. The reason he does that, his ultimate goal is always to get us to doubt God's intentions. Because he knows if we do, then at that point we're going to be on the road to sin. We're going to be on that mindset that's going to change inside of us. And we're going to start questioning our walk with God and what we're doing for Him versus what the world has to offer. So as they're standing there in this garden and He's speaking to Eve, you know, I can just imagine Him reasoning with her and by saying, I mean, just look at all these great trees in this garden. Why would a loving God want to keep you from enjoying them? What's ironic about that is does that statement sound familiar to you? Isn't this the same thing that Satan tries to come up and do to us every day? As we go through life and we come up against this obstacle and that obstacle and the different things that takes place, can you see in your life where he tries to manipulate things and tries to make you feel like that you're just not having the time of your life like you thought you were going to? Perhaps you've heard it phrased like this. Here's a few examples that we can kind of throw out there of what might happen to us on a daily basis. As far as when you're, when you're a kid, he can say, look, you've always been a good kid. What's the big deal about sneaking out this one time? Besides, you're young and you have to do at least a couple of bad things, right? There's no way you'll get caught. Another instance, God encourages you to walk in purity. But how far is too far anyway? Besides, you care about this guy. Doesn't that make it okay? Just think of all the people who are doing things worse. Plus, don't you want to know what it feels like to be desired in that way? See, here he goes after our feelings. He goes after the peer pressures of wanting to be accepted, wanting to be desired, all the fleshly lust and the thing that goes along with that. He attacks that because he knows that that is a weak point in the human race. Another example, did God really say you shouldn't lie ever? I mean, it's not going to hurt anyone and you're only going to do it this one time. So what's the big deal? Another instance, so your parents told you not to go. Big deal. They just don't understand how important this is. You know you'll have the time of your life if you go, and everyone is going to be there. You don't want to miss out on this, do you? He takes things that in one aspect would be okay if you had permission to do that type of thing. He takes that and distorts it because if we are not given permission to do that, he then comes in and attacks your mind trying to make you think, well, why is it I'm not allowed to do that? There's nothing wrong with that. Why is it that I'm not allowed? But the whole point that he's trying to do is he's trying to make you go against those instructions and do it anyway. And making it look like it's just an awesome thing. And it's worth giving your life up for. Well, to Eve's credit, she didn't fall for this ploy right away. In verses 2 and 3, as we read earlier, she actually corrects the devil. And she tells him, God didn't say we can't eat from any of the trees in the garden. He just said we can't eat of the tree in the middle of the garden because if we do, we are going to die. To me, that sounds like a pretty good reason to avoid that tree. And if God told me that, I would be thinking, okay, I really do need to stay away from this tree. 
God had obviously been very clear with her why he didn't want her to eat the fruit. God didn't beat her on the bush. He told her exactly what was going to happen if she ate of that fruit. And it wasn't that he wanted to steal her fun or keep her from experiencing pleasure. On the contrary, he knew that even though that fruit looked really good, it would lead to death. And he did not want her to partake of that. That same type of thing kind of goes on today. We have these same scenarios playing out in our lives even to this day. God has given us his word and he tells us how to live. Why? Does he do that to take our fun away? Does he take that to be just an overruling mongrel that just wants us to do his every whim or whatever and take all the fun out of things? No. The reason that he does this is he wants to protect us. He wants to keep us from the terrible consequences of sin so that we can enjoy life and the abundant blessings that he's promised us. Because as we discussed in the last section with our treasure map, we have to have an action on our part to get a reaction from God. A lot of the promises in the Bible come to us as promises, but there's something we have to do ourselves before we are allowed to get those promises. And what's great about that is those promises are awesome. They're things that we all should want, but we don't just get them for free. We have to work for those sometimes and do things that God wants us to do, and then he promises that we will get these rewards and we will reap, we will reap these rewards. In verses 4 and 5, he just keeps pouring it on. This time he abandons his subtlety and cuts to the chase in his attempt to get Eve to doubt God's loving instructions. Basically, he says, God is not trying to protect you. He's holding out on you. God knows that when you eat this fruit, you're not going to die. You will actually become more wiser and more godlike. Apparently, God doesn't want this to happen. And that's why he told you not to eat the fruit. His commands are not making your life better. They are simply robbing you of the fulfilling life that you deserve. So he starts playing on her pleasures, the things that she likes to do, the things that she wants to do. And he tries to twist that around and manipulate it and make it look like it's a bad thing. This is what the enemy always tries to do. He wants to convince us that we're missing out on things. He wants to convince us that there's so much more out there and that we should be enjoying every bit of that. He wants us to believe that God is withholding good things from us. If he can create doubt in our minds about God's intentions of what he wants to do with us, it will also create doubt about whether we can really trust God's instructions. That's the way that Satan tries to manipulate that and turn that around. After all, would you follow the advice of someone that you didn't trust or someone that would want to mean you harm? We would not want to do that. We would be going the opposite direction of that person. So Satan tries to paint God as a villain. He tries to make him look like he's just out to destroy anything that we want to do and enjoy. Well, as long as we question God's heart toward us, we will struggle in our attempts to obey God because we can never fully surrender to someone that we don't trust. And I'm sure you in your own life have been in that same situation where you've had people that you just did not trust completely and so you've withheld from them. You figured out that you did not want to let them into your corners. <laughs> you wanted to keep them at a distance because you don't know what them people's intentions are. And that's what Satan tries to do with God. He tries to paint him as that kind of a figure. We must understand that the foundation of our ability to obey God is the way that we view him. If we view him as a loving God who is trying to protect us, then even when it's hard, we will obey him. We will have no question in our mind that we want to follow him. But if the enemy can convince us to believe that God is a cosmic killjoy, whose commands simply lead to a restrictive, boring life, 
well, at that point, we're finished. At that point, we're going to decide, hey, I don't want no part of this. There's so much more out there and so many more things that I want to do. If I keep following this plan that God has, I can't do that. So I'm just going to go out here and do this anyway. And then you're going to leave that life that God wants for you and those rewards that he wants to give you as we go through this walk with him. So the original deception is so effective because it cuts to the heart of what allows us to surrender. The way we view God and his instructions. When we have the wrong view of God, we are powerless to resist sin because we lack the most necessary element for surrender, which is trust. We have to trust God if we're going to surrender to him and obey what he wants us to do and follow his commands so that we can have that fulfilled life that he has promised us in his word. So we're going to stop it right here for this week and we'll pick this up next week and finish this up. Um, it's, it's just an awesome section of the study and it, I think that through all of this it kind of shows us, you know, if we've ever wondered how Satan operates and why we sometimes fail like we do, um, this section here kind of just kind of lays all that out and kind of lets us know how Satan operates, how he likes to try to take control of our lives and how he tries to manipulate us to do the things that he wants us to do to get us out of God's will. And so it's something we have to definitely watch and be careful of. Well, I'm be back next week. We'll finish this up. So give you guys something to look forward to. Um, you guys go to my website at connectingthegap.net. You can see all of my previous um, podcasts and my YouTube channel, my blog. And again, thank you guys for being alongside me in prayer. I need it. I just need to just have, have you guys just help me through all of this. Um, just reach out to heaven and, and ask God to just help me as I do this each and every week. And hopefully you'll be blessed with what I share with you. And uh, so that's it for this week. And I will be back next week. And we will pick the rest of this up on the original deception as we continue this on Connecting the Gap. Thank <laughs> you.